Would you pray with me one more time and ask the Lord Jesus to bless His Word preached this morning. Let's pray. Our Savior, as we've sung, you are the fairest one in all of creation. You are above all things most beautiful. And so we want to see and hear of your beauty through your word. Shape us today by it, we pray. Draw us out of ourselves. Convict us of sin where necessary. Encourage us so that we might walk in the power of the resurrection. And so for all this, we ask for your spirit to come and to open our eyes to see the wonderful things in your word. We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Well, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and if you're not, we're glad you're here um, this morning uh, with us. We're always glad to have those who are trying to figure out what they believe and um, examine the claims of Jesus Christ. But if you're a Christian, if you're here with us today, you make a difference in this world simply by walking with Jesus. That's it. Right? That's the heart of what Jesus is saying here in these verses in the Sermon on the Mount. You make a difference. You impact the world simply by walking with Jesus. Notice the difference in the language. Jesus is not saying in these verses that you can make a difference if you do certain things like social justice or caring for the poor or being an on-fire evangelist or, or being an awesome apologist. He, he's not saying you can do these things. He is saying that you do make a difference simply by following him. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth if you, by faith, are united to Jesus. It is a declaration of identity, not a call to mission. It's a declaration by identity always before it is a call to carry out a mission. The Christian is, by union with Christ, salt and light in the world. That's an indicative, not an imperative. There are plenty of imperatives or commands in the scriptures. But, and this is just generally the pattern, they all follow this pattern. First, Jesus tells us who you are. You are this. Now go live this way. You are a son of God. You are no longer bound by sin. Now consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ and live out obedience. You are a new creation. Therefore, don't lie and steal anymore. First, identity, then behavior. First, identity, then mission. Identity, always, in fact, no matter if you're a, a follower of Jesus or not, this is just true of who we are, identity always drives mission. And Jesus, that's because that's how he's created us. Who you think you are affects the way you live your life. And God indicates in his word, first, identity in Christ, and then commands obedience to Christ. It's just the pattern of the scriptures. So the Christian life just generally can be explained this way. Become who you are. Just live out who you already are by faith in Jesus Christ. Become who he has made you to be. And now I think this should be good news because I think most of us walk around with just this general sense, this weird sense of guilt and shame in the Christian life because we just think, I'm just not doing enough. We know we are tired of feeling that way. I know I should be doing this. 
right? I'm not doing it, and I don't know what to do about it, right? And so, like, like sadists, we come here on Sunday morning, and we're like, oh, good, he's going to tell me something else I'm supposed to be doing. Like, like the Christian life is this endless and perpetual to-do list. So I, I start doing one thing right, but the preacher's up there telling me I need to do three more things on top of that. It's taken me 10 years just to do that one thing like. It's this perpetual to-do list. Knock one thing out, three or five more gets added at the end. I'm supposed to do evangelism. I'm supposed to make an impact on culture. I'm supposed to eradicate poverty. I'm supposed to raise my children well. All those things are true. But here's what Jesus is doing in this passage. If you belong to me, by nature of your union with me, you make a difference in this world. This is a declaration of identity before it is a call to mission. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And I think we need to learn how to think little. What I mean by that is our eyesight needs to change, right? If you look at the mission that Jesus is calling you to, make an impact on the culture, then you'll never make an impact on the world. But if you look at Jesus and he becomes beautiful in your eyes, then you will, by virtue of his work in your life, make an impact on all the little things that you are involved in. Here's why I say that. need to think little. Let's dig into these two metaphors for a minute. First, salt. You are the salt of the earth. Again, declaration of identity. This is who you are. See, in the ancient world, salt had a had twofold role. First, it had a preserving role. It kept things from decaying. So sometimes bodies were covered in salt if they had to be transferred long distances before they were buried. Oftentimes, meat was cured with salt in order to keep it from decomposing. Salt cured meat could last a very long time. It would stop the effects of corrosion, decomposition. So when Jesus is saying, look, here's who you are. If you're a follower of mine, you are the salt of the earth. He's saying that the Christian's place in the world has the effect of holding back the sin-decaying effects of the fall. By Christians being present in the world, those who are united to Jesus Christ, have a vibrant living faith in Him, who've repented of their sins, trusted in His work on the cross, who find themselves in Him, you, by virtue of your presence in the world, are holding back sin. It doesn't decay as much as you want. Now, Christianity has been getting a bad rap in the world right now because we seem to be narrow-minded and bigoted, and therefore we are the ones who are holding the world back from the progress it's seen. But history paints a very different picture. Even if you're not a Christian, you have to acknowledge that where Christianity has flourished, so has human rights. In Europe, it led to the eradication of slavery. Arguably, those who were most committed to Jesus Christ eradicated slavery in the United States as well. Where Christianity has flourished and the church has been strong, so has democracy. In fact, where Christians have been few, like the Middle East, anarchy has been the norm. Or you might just think of the biblical example of Joseph in Egypt, his presence as one who belonged to the covenant people of God. These was God's chosen people. 
the one who God claimed it his own, had a preserving effect on the pagan nation of Egypt. His wisdom was able to preserve Egypt, wisdom that God had given him, preserved Egypt during a seven-year famine, kept it from being as bad as it could be. Egypt was blessed by the wisdom and presence of Joseph. He kept things from decaying in the world around him. Now, let's think about for a minute what Jesus is also saying by using these two metaphors of salt and life. He's saying something about our world that should change our expectations as well. It is a world that is full of darkness and decaying. I mean, that should adjust the way we expect the world to be. We should not get, if you're a follower of Jesus, easily discouraged by the world around us because it seems like the culture is getting worse all the time. And here's Jesus' answer to that. If you think the world is getting worse all the time, he says, you know what, you're right. It started bad, and it only decays from there. Darkness needs the light. Why? Because it's dark. There's salt needed. Christians to be present in the world. Why? Because the world is decaying around us. History isn't moving towards a time of utopia. Ever since the sin had entered into the world through the one man, Adam, it has been a dark and decaying world. It almost needs, we almost needs this perspective shift. I expect decay. I expect darkness. And when there is any light or any life, it is because God is present and doing something. And if you look at the world around you, in fact, that's what you see. You see instances of light and decay being pushed back. And you can stop in that moment and say, God's present there. But by these verses, you can also expect to see Christians present pushing back the decay. Positively, if you think about this negatively, negatively, salt prevents decay. But positively, both salt and life enhance beauty. This is the other function of salt in the ancient world. It acts as a seasoning. It's true today, too. It makes good food taste better. Light enhances beauty. Right? Both of them enhance the world around us. Imagine yourself in a dark cave. If you've ever been in a dark cave, children, when they turn the lights off, you can't see anything. There could be a Picasso or a Rembrandt on the wall of that cave. It would not matter if there were no light. You would not be able to see the beauty. The master painters who created beauty lack light in order for it to be seen and experienced. You, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, are the light of the world. And this world needs light. It enhances the presence of of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, your presence enhances this world. So in China, it's illegal to be a Christian, except if you belong to the state-sponsored church that functionally denies major points of the gospel. Right? So if you're a full follower of Jesus, believe his word, believe that he's the son of God who died for the sins of his people, then it's illegal. It's illegal to be you. And so the Chinese government has suppressed Christianity. But as I often say, you step on the church, it multiplies, it grows. And by the presence of the gospel, bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ, Christians 
are salt and light. That's who they are. And the culture's changing. One factory owner in Wenzhou, China, has actually come out and said openly, I will hire Christians before anybody else. This is in China. He could be in prison for saying this. And he's not a Christian himself. And here's his reasoning. If you're a Christian, you're just more honest with a better heart. I mean, this is his observation, why he wants salt and light to be part of his business. The people who aren't Christians, they're just, I don't want to say they're, they're just not responsible. I think it's very different. I'm not saying that those people who aren't Christians are all bad, but observation from the percentage of the workers who are Christians, they seem to be more responsible. And when they do things wrong, they feel guilty. That's a difference, and it's a difference that's impacting his business. Salt and light. Bringing beauty into the world. And this is where I think we need to learn to think little so that we can live out our identity. Right? The person who encourages instead of gossips is bringing beauty into the world, into their relationships. When the Christian makes a little decision to die to himself or herself and gives up her time so that we can be participating in mom's ministry. And this is what mom's does. Oftentimes, it takes someone who can't get to a doctor's appointment or can't get to a dentist's office and goes and picks them up at their house and takes them where they can find health care. That is bringing beauty into a dark and decaying world. It's little things. Maybe, it, maybe it's, it's investing in one of your employees. Nobody else would invest in them. Maybe they had no parents, no father who would invest in them. Nobody has invested in them. So you just decide, I'm going to, once a week, I'm going to give this person a word of encouragement and a little suggestion. And I want them to know I'm for them. And whatever they do, I will try as hard as I can to help them make it in this world. Little things. Salt and light. You've generated beauty out of decay. But I think there's something that's hidden in this passage I really want to make a point on. And it's a basic assumption that needs to be spoken to, and it's this. The Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to be involved in this world. In your Bible, there are these topical headings, right, that the, the translators and the publishers put in. Verse, if you're in your Bible, in chapter 5, you'll see starting with verse 1, and then between verse 1 and 2, it says the Beatitudes. And then between verses 12 and 13, there's another one, salt and light. These are not part of your Bible. These are just something that the publishers and the translators put in to help you understand. And they're helpful. Sometimes they can help us find things in your Bible. Okay, I'm looking for the Beatitudes. I know it's somewhere around chapter 5. Oh, there it is. That helps me. But sometimes... Sometimes they artificially break up the flow of thought. And I think this is one of those occasions. Jesus just got done talking about the persecution that his followers were faced. Verse 10 and 11. Blessed are those who persecute you for righteousness sake. Blessed are when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you. Rejoice and be glad for your word is great in the world. He's just saying, look, the world, if you're going to follow me, the world is against you. And so the tendency when you hear that is to withdraw from the world because it opposes you. But Jesus immediately shifts directions and begins to talk 
about his followers' role in the world that hates him. Jesus is making it clear. The Christians not to withdraw from the world, but to be involved intimately in the world around us. The world may hate you because that's its role. But if you're a follower of Jesus, this is your identity. To be salt and light in the world around you. How I view my life shapes how I live my life. And so the Christian's got to be involved and engaged in normal daily life of the community because this is who I am. I'm salt and light. Right? Just that needs to be part of your core identity. You need to wake up in the morning and look at yourself in the mirror and say to yourself, I am not a failure. I am a son or daughter of God. I'm forgiven of my sins. I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I also sin. I also fail. That's not who I am. You need to convince yourself of that all day long. But you also need to convince yourself that you're salt and light. This is who I am. This is not less true. It is as true. I'm a son of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. The Father loves me as much as I love. And because I'm united to Jesus, I am salt of the earth. I am the light of the world. And so I need to be involved in the world in unhidden ways in everyday life. Salt and light are some of the most basic, ordinary components of life. I mean, so I think Jesus has the kind of moment in mind is that we think little. When we go back to our identity, it shapes our mission, right? And so Jesus isn't saying you need to go out and do these things. He's saying, look, this is who you are because you're united to me and by your union with me, all of the resources that you need in order to influence the world in the most normal, easy ways are yours. All things necessary for life and godliness belong to me because I'm united to Jesus Christ. He's not asking me to make a difference in the world. He's telling me that I am making a difference in the world, in the office, in the boardroom, in the places you shop, on the soccer field, at the end of the driveway where you're having conversations with your neighbors. Now get this. Both salt, and I think Jesus would be very purposeful here in his metaphors, both salt and light require themselves to go out to have an effect. Salt is no good if it's in the salt shaker. It has to go out onto something. Light is no good if it's constrained. It must go out in order for its properties to enhance and preserve the world. So don't hide the fact, and I think this is what Jesus is saying, don't hide the fact that you're a Christian. Don't, don't, no one lights a lamp, puts it under a basket or on a stand. It gives light. It's got to go out. It can't be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and thus praise, give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I was reminded last week, of this constant temptation when you live in a world that reviles you to just go along to get along. I'm just going to hide the fact that I'm a Christian so that I don't get jeered at school, so people don't make fun of me, so that I don't experience the shame 
associated with living in a world that reviles me. Jesus says, look, don't fight that temptation. Don't hide the fact that you belong to me. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and tie your Father's glory to who you are. What the world around us needs are Christians who do two things. Stay close to Jesus and don't hide the fact that they belong to him. And by staying close to Jesus, you produce good works and you stay salty. See, here's the danger. This is almost a, this is a warning. You are the salt of the earth, that's who you are. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good. In our world, salt is just salt. Sodium chloride, that's all it is. Your table salt is just salt. But in the ancient world, it's not the way it was. It was not refined like we have it in its pure form today. What it was was a bunch of minerals, a white powder, that also had some salt in it. And because salt, when it's used, goes out, when that white powder was used, it would leach the salt out. And if it rained or got wet, the salt would be removed. And then it's just useless white powder that was put on the roads as pavement for people to walk on because it had lost its saltiness. And here's Jesus. Stay close to me. Don't lose your saltiness. As the world reviles you and hates you, stay close to me. I will produce good works in you because you're mine. But stay close to me. Don't lose its saltiness. If you do, you're useless. Don't hide your light. If so, you cease to be useful in this world. Lastly, let me point this out. Let's remember who Jesus is talking to at this point. He's not talking to the elite. He's not working with the elite here. This is a craftsman. He's a son of a carpenter. Most likely what we mean by that is a man who worked with his hands, a craftsman. This is a craftsman who's gathered other craftspeople around him. I mean, he's not saying to the ultra-elite leaders in this world, you are the light of the world. You can make an impact on the culture. You are the salt of the earth. You can have a restraining role. Let's be honest. We celebrate athletes and actors who have a big stage and a big name. We think those are the ones who have an exceptional influence on the world. And that's just not the way the upside-down kingdom works. We need to think little. We struggle when we think that way. We struggle. What, What impact can I make? I'm just an average man or an average woman who goes to my office or to the factory or takes care of my kids and wipes noses. What impact could I possibly have? Remember, this is an upside-down kingdom. Jesus chooses the weaker things to shame the strong. His power is displayed in weakness. And because he's chosen to make the average person the one who influences the world, we need to stay close to him and let our light shine. These are tax collectors. He's at this point, this is tax collectors and a bunch of fishermen and maybe a prostitute here and there. And he's saying to them, hey, guess what? You're the light of the world. You can make a difference. You will make a difference. 
because you belong to me. God loves working through weakness because it displays his strength. And so this table is for you to maintain your saltiness. It's a table where he nourishes you so that as you spend yourself this week, he feeds you on himself. As you go out and let your light shine, you don't do so on your own strength. He, the light of the world, empowers you when you come to this table. And so as we come to this table, we do so that our identity might be restored so that our influence might be had in the most normal little ways. Let's pray. Father, as we have come to your word and prepared to go to your table, we praise you that you have made little people big in your kingdom. You have made little things exponentially more powerful in this world. And so help us to live faithfully in all the little areas of our lives so that we might prevent decay and bring beauty to this world. For the glory of your name, may people see our lives and give glory to the Father who is in heaven, for he has produced all these things in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.